0: This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network.
1: Welcome to episode 68 of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Eddie.
0: I'm Pat. And I'm
1: Andy. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries, right here on Paranormal Dads. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Oh my god (laughs) Pat don't die He's alright He's
1: okay Don't walk
0: (laughs) Give him a lozenge
1: (sighs) Don't walk towards the light Mothman flew in his mouth (laughs) (laughs) Mothman You All right, some of this, it'll clear you right up. Dude, what <laughs> yeah. flavor is your soap
0: in <laughs> the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, why? <laughs> it's like pure alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> it'll strip your skin off. I like,
1: and I was like, you know how you kind of smell the soap? Yeah. And I smelled like, it's like pure <laughs> ethanol. Like, I think like, it's corn. I think it's like, like <laughs> corn.
2: <laughs> corn out. Mostly glycerin. like glycerin. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> <laughs> Nitroglycerin. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 68 of Paranormal Dads. And uh, we're sitting here in the beautiful uh, Dreamweaver's uh, studios uh andy's aunt terry's um like base of operations
2: yeah yeah she was kind enough to let us sit in here today kind of uh, give us a different outlook on life you know just oh, it's, it's sometimes it's good to shake it up and do do the show oh, yeah at a remote location
1: Stay tuned for some future episodes with her as a guest, and that'll be kind of fun to kind of get into that a little, little little teaser for you there. Yeah, yeah.
0: This place is nice. It's it's uh, basically a it's, well, it's a pretty big size conference room. We've we've squished uh, upwards of ninety people in here for some of my presentations before, and it's all fun and games. As you guys know, every October I do a spooky stories event where mm-hmm. I share with yeah. the audience some of the, some ghost stories, UFO stories, and stuff, and then everybody leaves. And then it's just whisper quiet and here, just me and my lonesome putting chairs away. Yeah. And then you start hearing noises and creaks and doors closing and opening on their own. It gets pretty creepy at night.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. a I lot of channeling that. of stuff.
2: You
1: know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, with that being said, we're going to get right into it. We got a lot of cool stuff planned for you. A little teaser. This will be the final installment of our Alaskan adventure. Alaska, the great Yukon. So stay tuned for that for the uh, main mystery. But before I'm getting ahead of myself, we've got some recent sightings featuring the one, the only psychic medium, your favorite, Andy Myers.
0: Well, I hope I can live up to that introduction, Eddie. Uh, so recent sightings, I thought, okay, I'm going to take this to the next level. Okay, I'm talking... Recent sightings, so recent that they might actually be going on right now. Ooh. Okay, recent oh, wow. sightings. I found a website uh, that talked about the top fifty. It ranks the top fifty states in terms of how many UFO sightings have been reported there. Yeah. So we got sightings from century, you know, uh, century-old sightings. We have recent sightings. Some, some, some could have been recorded last week. I believe they updated it uh, fairly recently. I'm going to try to find the. Uh, name of the website, if you bear with me for a sec, Uh, stacker.com is where I'm getting this information from. Nice. We don't have time to go to to go through all 50 states, but I'm actually going to count down the top 10 states most frequently visited by extraterrestrials. But I'm going to do a couple honorable mentions first. Coming in uh, on the list is number 50, North Dakota. Oh, North Dakota.
1: Really? Yeah. Really,
2: I would think that one would be higher.
0: Well, yeah, I got to thinking about it. They don't have a very big population of people
2: there. Yeah, I, I suppose that's true. One thing they do have a lot of, it that I've kind of been reading up on, are uh, nuclear sites, like mm. you know, nuclear missiles missile, and missile and silos. And mi- missile silos, and there's been a lot of activity around missile silos over the years. I've been, I'm actually reading a book about it. It's been kind of interesting, and they've talked about. Uh, Things that have gone on in North Dakota. So,
0: I think one of the yeah. most uh, elaborate and expensive, uh, s- you know, silos or, or uh, bunkers or housing containments for for nuclear. S- uh, it was it was in North Dakota. They spent upwards of God, what was it? it was like three billion dollars or something <laughs> like this on a facility that lasted for less than a year, and then they they just left it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, probably. yeah. That could be a whole main
2: mystery. Probably filled it with water and. <laughs> <laughs> Concreted the, you know, the door shut
1: and you 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 want to blow your mind. Listen, I'll send you guys stuff. And you too. Uh the great like milk. Like there's um we have too much milk. Uh, it's a whole thing. There's too much milk, guys. There's too much milk there's, in the there's world. There's just too much milk.
2: In our country. <laughs>
1: Period. In the United States. Okay. Apparently. And so and so they just they filled it with cheese. It's <laughs> just filled with <laughs> cheese. It's <laughs> cheese-filled nuclear cycle.
0: Turned it into a bison burger <laughs> factory. Ooh. Now they got more cow... They got more cows in North Dakota than people, but the, number fifty. But they still have had one hundred and ninety-two official sightings of UFOs. Wow. Over okay. The years. Nebraska. So I wish we were higher on the list, boys. I know. Uh, Are we forty-nine? We're number forty-three. Oh. Poo. Out of fifty, <laughs> but Nebraska has had four hundred and sixty-eight official cases, and one of these cases uh, we actually covered as one of the uh, as a segment in a previous show the the nineteen sixty-seven eyewitness. Uh, case from the nebraska state patrolman uh, herbert
1: schirmer remember mm-hmm. that episode nashland yeah. nebraska Correct. yeah nashland yeah yep. not far from here
0: uh, honorable mention uh, coming in number 27 out of 50 is new mexico
1: oh wow they
0: have had 1143 reports most notably as we all know is the roswell case of
1: 1947
0: Oh, still hotly debated but
1: yeah i wouldn't get oh,
0: i don't know was it a weather balloon eddie
1: No!
2: No, it wasn't.
1: There is so much... I mean, this is where we do all this stuff, and I'll just get into it deep. There's belief that from that Roswell incident, there was actually a survivor of that crash. Mm -hmm. I think Pat knows with that, you know, and uh, that survivor actually hung around with uh, certain parts of our government for years and was like, I like it here, it's cool, and was like filling people in on all sorts of stuff. There's... We can discuss this. That's some stuff for a future episode. (laughs) Yeah.
2: It's interesting, you know. and, and That's there's one thing we haven't done as a main mystery is Roswell, have we? Not have
1: really. We've not really. not we we discussed been. it in stuff like this, but yeah. never done a full main mystery on we Roswell. We'll have to do
2: a deep we, dive one day.
1: We might. That have could to. be a four-part <laughs> <laughs> main mystery. Hey. Yeah, But here we go. Top ten,
0: uh, and now we're getting to some big numbers, boys. Number okay. ten is North Carolina, who has had 2,629 official UFO reports. Wow. One of the most not- one of the more recent ones, actually took place in January 2019. A guy named Brett Jones was outside taking pictures of birds near Greensboro, and he saw a bright flash in the sky near a plane that was flying overhead. And he was wondering if it was a if the mysterious shape was a balloon. So he began recording the object until it disappeared after about 10 seconds. And it says the odds of seeing a UFO in the state are just one in 205,000. Uh, although you wouldn't know it. According to the stories that stretch stretch, stretch back to the 1940s, um, number nine, Illinois, two thousand seven hundred and fifty eight sightings. Uh, we've mentioned this on the show before. You guys remember that sighting back in 2006, uh, the the UFO that hovered over the uh, Chicago's O'Hare International Airport. Yep, and. Uh, There was uh, near, actually near gate C-17, and uh, flight 446 Mm -hmm. was prepped for departure, and uh, after roughly five minutes, the UFO darted into the sky, broke through the clouds with enough force. It actually revealed blue sky behind, and no radar picked it up, but uh, I believe some flights were actually delayed and rescheduled because of this unknown object over the airport.
2: No wonder it's so hard to get through O'Hare.
1: Right, it's all (laughs) aliens. They've they've got
2: so much, so many weird stories coming out of O'Hare. They've they've got UFO stories, Mothman stories. Yeah, uh, you know, just all kinds of crazy stuff goes on there.
1: It's that lake, I tell you, Lake Michigan.
2: Oh yeah.
0: Number eight, Ohio.
1: Mm, Ohio, Uh, Ohio.
0: I I believe that Wright
2: Patterson Air Force Base.
1: Oh yeah. Ohio is a
0: weird place. Because uh, it, it also ranks, I believe, in the top five of Bigfoot sightings. So you got a lot going on there yeah. in Ohio. Three thousand and twelve official UFO sightings. And, and this article, by the way, uh, was from last year. So oh, these wow. these numbers could be, even be it's higher by current. now. current. Yeah.
2: But uh, some say that the uh, <laughs> we're getting back to Roswell here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the alien they recovered from Roswell they they moved to Wright Patterson.
1: Yeah, that's where it hung out.
2: Yeah.
0: You guys have heard of uh, J. Allen Hynek? The oh, name yeah. Hynek yeah. is
2: familiar. Yeah, he was... Yeah, Project uh, Blue Book.
0: Project Blue oh, Book. That's the dude! Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was the guy commissioned to essentially debunk yeah. the, the phenomena of UFOs. But yeah. after he started taking thousands of reports from around the country, he, he concluded he that was there was... was one a, of the
2: biggest proponents. <laughs> yeah. That like, These things are real.
0: They can't be explained. <laughs> yeah. At least a portion of them can't yeah. be explained. Right. Uh, but anyway, that's only relevant. I just say that because he was actually a professor of astronomy... Uh, at Ohio State University, and okay. then he went on to become the chairman of the astronomy department at Northwestern, and then to, to Project Blue Book. But yeah, coming in, number eight, the Buckeye State.
1: Ow! <laughs> Would you say Iowa? Iowa. <laughs> Isn't the Buckeye State? No. It's that's Ohio. That's Ohio. I don't know sports. <laughs> <laughs> don't hit me with sports Ohio stuff. State You're Buckeyes. thinking Hawkeye. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. OK. We'll
2: give you we'll give you participation <laughs> really <rhythm. Insert, laughs> Partial credit.
1: <laughs> insert Hawk's Screech here.
0: <laughs> Eddie, Eddie got a lot of participation ribbons growing up.
1: Bless your, bless
0: your, furry little heart.
1: I ran outside to screaming sports with my glasses <laughs> I was strapped on with that little strap in the back so they don't fall off. Sports!
0: <laughs> and I hit
1: in the face with the with a dodgeball. <laughs> Did I score a touchdown? Did I win? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Number seven, Arizona, home of the. Uh, infamous phoenix lights.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. man, the largest mass sighting I think to date of UFO activity. Yeah. Thousands of pe- thousands of people calling into local authorities talking about what they saw. And yet, at the time, no.
2: At the time the governor denies it, years later, he comes out and says, yeah, it was real. I saw it. You
1: people. (laughs) You people. I hope one of you are listening right now. I hope one of you are listening to this show right now. (laughs) Shame on you. Sitting there. oh Well, people believe me when I say things. Because you're a dirty, rotten liar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But Arizona, number seven, uh, and 3,188 official sightings. And not just the Phoenix Lights back in, I believe it was 1997. Late 90s, yeah. But in 1993, a movie came out called Fire in the Sky. Ooh, mm-hmm. girl. Yeah. Based on a true story of Travis Walton, mm-hmm. uh, one of a handful of, uh, I believe, believe they were lumberjacks. Lumberjacks. Yeah.
1: Jack and that Lumber.
0: Jack and that Lumber out in Arizona wilderness, and uh, down came UFOs, zapped them with a beam. Walton went missing for several days, I believe mm-hmm. it was. Almost a week. Yep.
1: yep and, and uh, uh, all of the people involved uh, the crew of and some of them were his brothers and family yeah. uh, all took polygraph tests yep. to this date uh, the polygraph tests were all completely uh, that they were all telling the truth yeah yep. a couple of inconclusives here and there but within the normal range and they were just like these guys were telling the truth
0: yeah and so they made a movie about it so if you don't want to sleep for a week you can find that somewhere on on uh, your streaming service of choice called Fire in the Sky. But yeah, that took place in Arizona uh, as well. it, is,
1: it is a creepy movie. It
2: is. I watched it uh, one recent Friday night. Uh, I, I think I was the only one home and... Said, why? I'm, I'm going to watch this movie. It if was you're good. alone and it's yeah, nighttime, yeah. and
1: you think, I'm going to watch Fire oh, in the yeah. Sky? Fire in the Sky. We're like, why, Mama, why? Because it's <laughs> like it's like that abduction scene. They don't oh, hold yeah. back.
2: And no, they yeah. don't.
1: I think he did say that they did take some Hollywood embellishments with that
2: Oh, naturally. Scene. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure they took some liberties.
1: But, I mean, there was... I mean, he did fight them back. I mean, uh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it, there's a... Where they're trying to hold him down on the table, and you know, with the eyeball with when they the pull, eyeball on, him. they pry his eyeball open. And he's and like, or plan B, I put my boot on your face, and yeah. that's what he, he was yeah. like taking him to task. Which I'm, yeah. you know, good on you, Mr. Walton.
0: Number six, Pennsylvania, Ooh. three thousand five hundred seventeen official sightings. So Pennsylvania actually had their own version of a Roswell incident. Came about nineteen sixty five. When a fireball was witnessed by thousands of onlookers across six states, and it caused a sonic, it caused sonic booms around Pittsburgh, crashed into Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, and only to be recovered uh, or covered up by the U.S. military. So, uh, and, and I've seen documentaries galore on that one, the Kecksburg incident. Uh, but yeah, that's Pennsylvania coming in number six. Number five, the Big Apple, New York. New York.
1: New York.
0: Home to 300, 800, or excuse me, 3,830 sightings.
1: Wow. Yeah. I mean, I just imagine it's pure population density at that point, right? You know, there's
0: a trend. You know, some of the more populous states, as you're going to see, more people, more sightings. Uh, Alaska uh, was lower on the list than I thought it would be. As we saw North Dakota coming in 50, Mm -hmm. there's just not many people there. Nebraska's not a heavily populated state. That's why we came at in the 40s. Right. But uh, New York's sitting at number five. Number four, Texas. Big Mm -hmm. state, lots of people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And they have had 3,848 official reports, one of which, uh, it's not listed on here as one of the notable sightings, but that, I believe it was in Aurora, Texas, where Mm -hmm. that UFO, it was either late 1800s or early 1900s uh, in Aurora, Texas, I think it was Aurora, don't quote me on that, Mm -hmm. but the UFO that hit the, the windmill, crashed on that person's property. And then there was a whole conspiracy theory about one of the aliens might be buried in the cemetery oh, of that yes. town. Oh, hmm. yes. Yes,
1: they buried, they held yeah. a funeral service and everything. And then there was
0: grave, robber, grave robbers, <laughs> and, you know, it's a whole, whole deal. Yeah, Texas had their fair share. Um, number three, Washington State. Mm. 4,351 official reports. Wow. Yep. Keep it yeah. weird. Keep it weird. But again you know kind of up there in the territory they got a lot of bigfoot sightings as well Mm -hmm. so you know let's see number two eddie's home state or not home state but you live there florida
1: florida florida weird place lots of people it's uh surrounded by water uh bermuda triangle not too far away i mean there's a lot of weirdness going on in florida (laughs) dude's
0: 5,826 official reports wow and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that for every official report there's at least one that wasn't reported oh yeah you know because people people have lives they have reputations they don't you know as we've always said on this show you you run the risk of doing more harm to your life than good by mentioning this publicly to you know to people you know you don't want to be looked at as crazy
1: no you know and Home state to uh, popular paranormal dad's uh, uh, prospector and hillbilly, Bo Cephas Jenkins, <laughs> who says, quote, unquote, I done seen them." Quote, unquote.
0: Number one, you guys could probably guess. Take a crack. Number one state seen the most UFOs.
1: Number one state. California. Seen the most, most California. Yeah, there it's, you go. It's freaking off the coast of uh, off that island. What, Catalina? Not Catalina, Catalina yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Catalina wine mixer. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: 10,333 sightings. Oh, yes. Wow. Dudes. Yeah. So, this where, where was Alaska? Alaska, it was like number 40 something, huh. which was surprising. But That's then surprising.
2: again,
1: the eyeballs.
0: You know, you got UFOs suppose, zipping yeah. around with nobody to yeah. see them. I Plus, mean,
1: you got 65,000 people a year just going missing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, if you see it, you're not yeah. going
0: to live to tell about it. No. Right. Yeah. No, California, a lot of people, a lot of weird stuff going on. Again, right off the coast, a lot yeah. of people. Sitting at the beach, looking at the horizon, looking at the sky. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's...
1: Is it Mount Shasta in Northern California? Oh, no, yeah. It's one of yeah, the big some ones. weird I mean, stuff yeah. going on there. Mount Shasta. So I, a
0: cousin of mine lives at the base of Mount Shasta.
1: So they're a time-traveling wizard. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, her...
0: her. Hi, Sandra, if you're listening. But, yeah, their, their house is a paranormal hotbed of activity. Yeah. Yeah. Her husband, Waylon, is... Uh, he he um, goes... Hiking and camping and stuff up in the Shasta Mountains, and brings back this. I think it's called a tourmaline, green tourmaline, yeah, yeah. which is said to have uh, crazy alien powers. So, Sandra sent me a hunk of that, and it's resting on the bookshelf in my man man cave, my cryptid den. Man, so and, uh,
1: and then the aliens going to want it back. Though. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, we want a tourmaline back, please. <laughs> Anytime. I've
0: go. been telling them for years. They're welcome to show up and Hang take out. me for a, take me for a cruise, but they haven't yet. Oh man. Well, it's all funny games until you get Travis Walton through It's right? all funny yeah, right. games
1: before you're putting your size nines up against an <laughs> alien's forehead. Yeah! <laughs> well, there you go. We
0: didn't have time to get through all 50, but those are at least top 10 uh, most reported sightings in uh, terms of UFOs. So,
1: Man, California, I kind of knew that, though. Yeah. yeah.
0: So there's Not your surprising. recent. There's your recent. And up next with uh, Pop Culture and the
2: Paranormal, we That's have. That's me. Yeah, I'm on this one. Okay. I'm on the case.
0: It's time for Pop, Culture, and the Paranormal. Paranormal Pat. What you got up your pocket, Paranormal well, Pat?
2: Well, I've got... We're, we're going old school. Ooh. We're talking 30s and... 40s today. Oh,
1: back when my great grandpappy was alive. Oh boy. Back when you got that fancy indoor plumbing. Yeah. You think you're better than me, don't you? Because you poop inside.
2: <laughs> you want air conditioning? Open a window. Oh. <laughs> gonna need the glasses though. <laughs> oh, this
1: is God's air conditioning. It's the wind <laughs> <laughs> the rain. Boy, get a bar soap. <laughs> it's raining outside. You run out there with it. We're gonna talk about the ghost shows. The ghost shows?
2: Ghost shows of the 30s and
0: 40s.
1: Get out of town. There were
0: ghost shows in the 30s there, and 40s? Radio were.
1: shows, bro. Oh,
2: radio no, shows.
1: No. You, you, you're going to get a lesson. All right. Oh, get us learned. I'm going to learn you. Take off your ball cap. Put on your little beanies. A <laughs> little propeller on it. Okay. Here we go.
2: So we're going back a ways today. <laughs> we're we're going to get in the way back machine today. <laughs> back to the future? Well... No, we're just going back. 1930s. Ooh.
1: Ah. 1940s.
2: Ah. So, Post,
0: post-depression.
2: So, well, you got the depression in the 30s. Yeah. You're still going on. We're
1: still
0: depressed. You know. <laughs> we're, we're still depressed. <laughs> just slightly less. Yeah, the 40s <laughs> we're like, oh, maybe you we You got didn't World
2: that. War Two going on in the 40s. Uh, and 40s. World War One. Where That was the 20s. Was Those that the 20s. 20s? Okay. So, we're talking World War 2 We're talking the depression here. Mm-hmm. But, um... Back before TV was a popular thing, the kids would all flock to the Midnight Ghost Shows. Oh. And uh, so these are shows that would be held in a movie theater, but they're not necessarily going there to see a movie. It's it's more like a show. Like oh. There would be a guy.
1: Like a live act. Yeah,
2: like an act, right? So a lot of the times it'd be like a magician or somebody like that. Yeah. And they'd put on these shows that kind of tipped the, the tipped a nod to something more paranormal, you know, like ghosts. Nice. They did all kinds of uh, they. This is where they invented a whole bunch of different special effects and things uh, to basically scare these these kids, you know. Nice. And and I don't know if it's 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 probably not just young kids. It's it's I think it's geared more towards teenagers sure. and you know maybe early twenties. Um, but basically it was a time when they had movies around like Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy. So people were kind of hip to these monster movie things. Um, cause it wasn't scarier than the real life they were living. They're like,
1: dude, tell me any story, <laughs> but some guy trying to blow the world up and like wipe out humanity. Right. Oh, it's, oh, it's about a vampire. Cool. I can handle that.
2: Yeah. But they'd sta- stage these humor shows. Um, and it was, generically known as as the midnight ghost show and that. it really packed people in i mean this this is a thing that could actually make a lot of money for somebody who was the these guys would travel around the circuit you know and they they go from town to town and put on their show make a bunch of cash move on to the next town almost like nice. a traveling circus yeah we yeah. need to
1: do this <laughs> i'm just saying that we need to do this
2: so these, these Midnight Ghost show, shows were also called spook shows or voodoo or even monster shows, um, and they featured these creepy, playful stunts. And this, all, all this information, by the way, is coming from an article um, that I found. It was called uh, Before TV, Kids Would Flock to the Midnight Ghost Shows by Matt Novak and this was originally on gizmodo.com so this this actually uh is a story from uh, back in 2013 so this one's been out there a while but uh it's a very interesting um story um so what they would do they they would uh, there were glowing ghosts floating objects psychic readings and dozens of other illusions all playing off the nation's interest in spiritualism before World War II. Um, the Ghost Masters show of the 30s and 40s would later lead to late night movie uh, TV hosts in the 1950s. So think about Sven that we know today and Dr. Sanguinary from the 70s. If, like if you guys. And- yeah, yeah, that type of stuff. All that stuff kind of came from these ghost shows that they would put on back in the 30s and the 40s the 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 father of the midnight ghost show was a man by the name of elwin charles peck mr peck from uh, ghostbusters right yep, yep. <laughs> uh it was probably, um, he was probably he was probably the first person to fully develop the midnight ghost show around 1929 and he performed under the name of elwin and his show elwin's midnight spook party um and it paved the way for countless imitators and many duplicators.
0: Well, you know, you're talking about a time where you couldn't just turn on Hulu or Netflix. You know, live entertainment was where it's at. I suppose you had radio. Was out radio you did. was a yeah, thing?
2: Yeah, radio was a common thing in most homes. but, but Maybe TV? a little
0: less common at night, though, because, on yeah. I mean, they didn't have 24-hour radio back then, did they?
2: I think they did sign off at some point. You know, yeah. usually there would, I think there would be shows... During the evenings, you know, a lot of people would sit down after dinner and listen to the radio.
1: Plus, you're at this thing, and this is where I think some of the stuff doesn't beat. I mean, we get into this this discussion about, like, practical versus uh, virtual special effects. And it's like, you get back into the 30s and 40s, it's like, yes, movies are a thing, you know. Yeah. But, like, the notion of experiencing something yourself, like radio much more doable, per se, on a special effects type thing, but you're really using the theater of imagination to make that happen. And so these kinds of shows remind me of a direct throwback to one of my favorite things, and and granted it's kind of a problematic thing in history for us, but vaudeville, where Mm -hmm. vaudeville was very much like puppet shows and ventriloquists and magic and all these things and fortune tellers and kind of in a weird way that carnival kind of thing. But this idea like, you know, you want to get something really cool go to this ghost show and have like you know some real some spirits flying around your head versus right. going and seeing it on TV it's way different
2: and so a typical ghost show would look something like this. You you know, you'd have a 15 minute buildup of the host and they'd come out and introduce themselves as kind of a medium and they'd kind of lay the groundwork, kind of get people worked up about how, uh, you know, this is going to be, you know, I need everybody to pay attention. Everybody stay calm and quiet. This is, you know, things could get crazy here, you know, and, and yeah. just kind of get the you know the people thinking that yeah prime in the pump pump, right so and this would be followed by maybe about 45 minutes of of conjuring things Uh, maybe a mentalist uh, spiritual illusions uh usually done in low lights they'd have all kinds of lighting tricks going on um oftentimes they would have audience participation in in these things and they they kind of Relied on the audience too to kind of build some of this up. So, so you'd be there with your buddies, and 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 maybe something spooky is going on on stage, and then you reach around and and tap your buddy on the shoulder or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and and kind of make them jump and that type of thing, you know. That that all kind of added to the the experience. Sure, being at these shows. Um, by the end of the '30s, they 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 would also screen popular scary movies. After the show, Um, they they, they'd have this what they call the blackout. It'd be about a three minute blackout when they just shut all the lights off and there'd be like screaming and maybe they'd have some special effects of ghosts flying around the room or or maybe a monster or something like that. Just to kind of a lot of it. They just shut the lights off and let your imagination take hold.
0: Well, and you know, you'd have that teenage boy who would take it as an opportunity to kiss his date for the night, I'm sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. A,
2: a lot of these couples probably Steal look forward to the three minute <laughs> oh, yeah, blackout.
0: Yeah. Now, I wonder what the going rate was to get a ticket to a show back then. What, we would talk about a, a nickel? I mean, what... yeah,
2: you know, I have no idea how much it cost yeah. to go to the one of these. You would think it would probably be something comparable to that. Yeah. But these guys, um, if they. Um, if they were in a large theater and i'm not even sure how how many people it would seat but they could pull in as much as 4 grand a night and that's that's back in the 30s and 40s so that'd be like $60,000 in today's like
1: a million dollars
2: today's time so they're making they're pulling in a lot of money for these shows and then they just go on to the next Next town and yeah. do, and do it all, all over again, yeah, so you know they developed some of the technologies that they used in these shows, but these guys are also making a lot of coin that would yeah.
0: take a lot of coordination too, I mean, because you're talking about a time it's not like you could send an email to these places uh that'd be hard to yeah. get, to get everything set up logistically ahead of time from city to city you'd have one you'd have to have one heck of an event uh, event planner or event coordinator to.
2: Yeah, yeah. Team. I mean, you probably have telephones and stuff. You can talk to mm-hmm. the promoter in each town or whatever. But um, you know, it was probably a lot of word of mouth too. You know, a yep. lot of the towns are probably small. You know, or maybe the they put pre- out.
1: Yeah, the town previous, like they were over in Chicago. They're going to be coming our way, hopefully. Yeah, you
0: know. I can just picture churches, you know, trying to rival it. You know, hosting midnight mass. Don't, don't go there. Come to us. Don't, don't go do, in the do
2: dark. The arts.
1: Devils work. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so. Um, Let's see, through, through uh, the dramatic use of patter, Ghostmasters attempt to uh, psychologically condition their viewers by warning them about horrible things they were about to see or feel in the dark. Uh, imaginations ran wild in the audience. Um, they would also hear lines such as, Don't turn around if you feel cold, clammy hands clutching you or, <laughs> or something crawling up your leg, you know. Uh, so the audience was very much a, a part of it. And right. it was, it kind of reminds me almost of the Rocky Horror Picture Shows mm-hmm. that they used to do here in town. They'd, they'd show Rocky Horror Picture Show at night, and people would dress up and kind of play the parts and yep. and just have a good time. So, I feel um, like
1: you'd have to have a staff. Like one guy's not rolling into town.
2: Yeah, yeah. They definitely have uh, a crew that would travel along with them because they, they would put on some of these special effects. Um, the... One of the things that these shows actually developed was uh, the use of luminescent paint. Uh, That was one of the first inventions from from this type of entertainment. Alexander Strobel, uh, he developed luminescent materials in the mid-1920s and it really paved the way for new and special effects on stage. And that way they didn't really have to rely on large equipment to pull off these special tricks you take you know maybe something equivalent of a black light and put it on luminescent paint mm-hmm. and you could pull off some pretty cool effects oh, yeah. that people had never seen before uh, one of the things um, that was also used was called a was called pepper's ghost illusion um, it was very popular, although it was also very large, so it wasn't widely used uh, because it's hard to pick this thing up and move it to another town. You know when they're they're going from town to town, but this this device is actually still kind of used, uh, or at least a form of it is used in Disney's Haunted Mansion. And so, what it is, uh, a feeling. it it it's basically um, a a large Trans, translucent uh, material, usually like glass or something, that you could place in front of the people on stage doing the show, and then you could project things onto it. And so you could project a ghost to magically appear you know, with the click of a switch and then make him disappear. You know, so the audience really wouldn't see in the low lights. They wouldn't see the glass, but they'd see the ghost pop up. Right, kind of a thing. Yep,
1: I wondered too about the projection onto like the effect of like having those those um, those statues that talk, that are ghost statues. Mm -hmm. They're like ooh, and they'll move around, and they they were showing kind of as a vaudeville effect where they were Mm -hmm. like projecting a face onto a blank bust and then as you moved around it looked like it was following you around.
2: Right, so you could you could have some guy with makeup or a spooky face standing backstage someplace and then you know somehow Project projected that, projected yeah. out on onto the screen. Um, so these shows would continue on into the 1950s and 60s although with tel- the event uh, advent of television uh, a lot of um, a lot of them closed up. You didn't see them quite as much. Um, some ghost masters soldiered on and, and found that... Uh, they, they just found that baby boomers weren't... Were, were bec- actually becoming increasingly harder to scare. Uh, so they started to rely on more things um, kind of and kind of treat it as more of a tongue-in-cheek sort of fright. So they you started to see things uh, kind of like... The 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 beautiful assistant, you know, oh. maybe this is where like the sexy nurse comes from, and yeah. and even in some cases the sexy nurse would get, you know, killed, killed <laughs> yeah. by the end of the night, right? Or you know, they, they they started to rely more on what we now know as the horror genre. You start to see more like blood and maybe beheadings, you know, f- you know, fake, you know. Yeah, beheading tricks. You know,
1: so you way. start to see more
2: violence, um, <laughs> brutal dismemberments, torture, uh, attacks by wild beasts and creatures <laughs> risen from the dead. It's so, like, man,
0: it started out as a magic show, and now we're decapitating people.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's getting harder to make a living in this <laughs> town. It cuts <laughs> off someone's head. <laughs>
2: so, um, but yeah, uh, another. Uh, Stage magician by the name of Philip Morris took on the role of Ghost Master in 1953, at a time when many were starting to get out of the business. And Morris performed under the name of Doctor Evil and brought up enormous blocks of radio time uh, to advertise his darker, edgier show. So, so they they tried to get wise with the technology of the day, and like you were saying, you know, sometimes it would be hard to pull off these logistics for you know getting people to the theater and so they'd buy up radio um and they they'd even you know maybe do some tv shows and radio shows to promote you know an event they have coming up in a town um but eventually what Morris did he just took his his he took his act onto television and you know like I said mentioned earlier there's you know spangoolie is a very well-known one here in the states uh here locally we had dr sanguinary in the 70s where you'd kind of have these b-grade movies these b-grade horror movies or monster movies and you'd have this guy kind of introducing the movie and they'd have little sketches between the shows and um things of that nature so
1: that's where you got things also like elvira And then also uh, another series, which was less scary, but still, like, getting into the sci-fi realm, one of Pat's favorites. We should get Andy into this. uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Right, yeah. Uh, that, That notion of these, like the entertainment itself might be schlocky and silly but now like you said it's more tongue in cheek and then they kind of in this case they make fun of it or they roast or they have fun with that but this almost still this notion of like practical effects maybe intentionally bad looking to be more funny and then uh, you even get into um, uh, like the commentary type stuff like that so it's kind of funny how these, these things kind of find new life in new in new ways. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's kind of funny how Mystery Science Theater 3000 was almost a precursor to today's version, which is basically the like YouTube reaction videos. Yeah, where you're watching somebody watching something else, and they're right. just giving their kind of yeah. stream of consciousness thoughts about it. You know? Right,
1: and if they're funny, yeah, then you tend to get more or, or entertaining thoughts. Right. You get you get more of a, a viewer base. But exactly, yeah, coming back around to yeah. trying to entertain people with you know live scary stuff.
2: Yeah. yeah. So the midnight ghost shows. So you might Can check. You find check these on check YouTube? what. You think anybody check, ever
1: filmed one of these back in the day? You
2: know, I I don't know. That'd I I didn't really do a, a dive for that. Uh, it would be really cool if, if there was some type of a, you know, somebody filmed one that mm-hmm. you'd be able to watch it. Um, I don't know, thirties and forties. If you would think for them to fil- film something like that. Uh, it wasn't like they had camcorders back then, right? Know? So right. it wouldn't be a a small production to be able to
1: film it, film something like that. I, but, I was thinking, hopefully, maybe in the fifties. But know, hey, you know,
2: 16, maybe you I mean, reach out to your grandparents or something. Maybe yeah. they remember going to the Midnight Ghost Show and and uh, check check in with them and see see what they might be able to tell you about them.
1: It's funny how some of those old techniques, it seems like for those live performances, did kind of find their way into other. Types of things like you're getting in with Disney. Yeah, uh, I think even uh, Jim Henson did some of those tricks, some of those vaudeville and live performance tricks, using his uh, puppets, Muppets, to do the things he did. You mm. know, it's kind of fun. So.
0: Well, thanks for that one, Pat. All right.
1: And now it's time for the main mystery. <laughs> All right, everybody, you've been with us through the abandonment of Port Locke. You flew through the skies with us as we talked about the JAL flight 1628. You shivered in horror as we talked about the Kushtaka. I'm cold. Now, shiver in pure, unadulterated terror as we talk about the Wahila or the saber wolf the saber wolf the saber wolf or the wahila or in this case uh, the dire wolf which might be some a more familiar name for some people that sounds familiar that brings about is a creature that has been cited several times in Alaska and in Canada and uh, one of our adopted countries that we love so much. And the Wahila uh, has roots in reality in the in the form of this dire wolf, this giant wolf discussion. Uh, the Wahila in specific, the idea is that its back legs are a little shorter than its front, giving it this really kind of imposing kind of look. It's like almost always raised up a little bit off the ground in the front. Right. Almost
0: like Dogman-esque.
1: A little Dogman-like. And this is where some of the... Sightings of the Wahila get kind of crazy. So these are b- heavily built animals, way bigger than normal wolves. Um, some people describe them as large as bears. And the story behind the Wahila, uh, a lot of these sightings did happen in Canada and, like I said, and Alaska. But the, the stories and the lore of the Wahila do uh, go back to a portion of Canada called the Nahani Valley. And the Hani, in the uh, native tongue of that area, is headless—the Headless Valley. So the story, and from witness accounts, that these animals will tear the heads off of their prey.
0: Not not a fan of heads. Yeah, I'll tear the heads. them right
1: off. Yeah. yeah. So some of the lore behind these giant wolves are that they are shapeshifters that they're able to walk around on two legs. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Stop me if you've heard this before. (laughs) And that they can mimic sounds to lure people into the woods to get them to, you know, hurt them and kill them. Um, Yep, that's... Yeah, you
2: hear hear a crying baby out in the woods, and you go out to investigate, and next thing you know... Your lunch for a wahila.
1: And you've lost your head. Yeah, The stories of the wahila were believed widely to be myth and legend up until a man by the name of Frank Graves, an American mechanic and explorer and hunter uh, enthusiast, was out in that area in the mid-60s. Uh, doing some hunting, and apparently had gone to that portion of the uh, of that that part of the world uh, so much that the people who lived there, uh, when he had first started to go there, people were like another, you know, American hunter who's going to get lost. And in- oh, and then many stories of miners, surveyors, prospectors, going into that region for gold and minerals, getting straight up disappeared. Um, and it's not coming back. And in some cases, uh, there was one particular family of uh, prospectors, uh, two brothers that went up there to go and prospect for gold, went full on missing. And a good friend of theirs went looking for them and was exhaustive in his search to find these men and found them minus their heads. And that was this added more to the story of this headless But
0: their valley. bodies weren't mutilated, they're just they're just missing their head? Their
1: bodies was toe up. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. They were they were not in good shape, but the heads were torn off. There
0: there's no known animal yeah. who decapitates people. Not that I know of anyways. Right.
1: Yeah. I I mean That seems to be a favorite way of killing for these animals. Um Well
0: then, it, then again, come to think of it, some wild uh cat attacks you know uh mountain lions jaguars do they go for the throat when they
1: attack they can
0: they, they can. go for soft spots yeah.
1: they try to tear throats out try to get so. your jugular and
0: i mean i guess if i guess if they really went to town not not, not to sound morbid but i guess if they went fur enough they yeah they, they could they could sever your head from your body
1: so it's a big enough animal and small enough you know head you yeah. know but
0: unless you're one of these like bodybuilder mma guys who has like a really
1: thick neck <laughs> Bring it, Wahila! <laughs> arr, arr, can't bite off this head! Bite your arm off instead. Um, and so the notion is that this, the belief was that this was kind of a, a folk tale or, or a story about this uh, valley. Indigenous people who live in the area, though, uh, for hundreds and hundreds of years uh, never went into that valley. They gave it a wide berth. That was the exact quote in this article. Was that uh, they just regarded it as a, quote-unquote, place of bad medicine, you know, and so would not go near it. So it's actually a national park, believe it or not now. Now they do tours there? The, uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the Nahanni Valley. You can only get there by boat. There's oh, no wow. roads that take you there. You can only get there by boat or plane.
0: Is there a reference point? Like, is this coastal Alaska interior? Is, is this near? Does it say what? It's g-
1: Alaska-Canadian Junction. Okay. Where, where those two areas okay. kind of hook up and connect is sure. in, that, in that pocket of it. It's in okay. that corner. And so um, the Nahani Park only gets – it gets less than 1,000 people visiting it per year. Wow. Yeah. Give you any idea how remote this place is?
2: I mean, that's certainly a place where if you want some peace and quiet
0: – Yeah. <laughs> well, peace and quiet because you don't have a head, so you right. can't yeah. hear
2: anything. you <laughs>
1: can't, can't hear or speak. Uh, so – The belief in the uh, Wahila was considered to be myth, legend, until uh, good old Mr. Frank Graves in 1965 showed up, went there to do his thing, and apparently was continuing to go up there, hunt and trap, and did it so well and so often that he gained the respect of local um, indigenous people that lived there that were like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. And on one of his expeditions, in fact, uh, he's still alive apparently, Mr. Frank Graves, in 2018. He um, identified an animal he saw as a McKenzie timber wolf um, as a subspecies, but he compared it somewhat to what he saw. But he also said that was a wolf on steroids, what he saw. What he saw back in the day? Back in the 60s. His original sighting of the wahila was in the 60s, and he described it as a, he thought it was a bear at first, and then upon uh, second glance it was a a wolf. Hmm.
0: Now did, He never saw it go on two legs, though.
1: He did not. According to his uh, eyewitness, did not see it go up on two legs.
0: But but there were reports of people who had seen them on two legs? Correct. All
1: right. Yeah. The legend of the Wahila is that it is uh, anywhere from four to five feet at its shoulder off the ground.
0: Wow. You're looking at an eight to nine foot creature if it stands up.
1: Yep. Um, and then uh, never seen in packs. They, they hunt solitary. Uh, native legends describe the Wahila as an evil spirit with supernatural powers. Uh, described it as killing people and removing their heads. Hmm. Uh, they're trying to decide if whether this is a offshoot creature or just a prehistoric throwback that has not completely died off yet. And uh, so, yeah,
0: everything about this uh, smells like Dogman to me.
1: A lot of Dogman. The the the. Older legends have it having the ability to go on its back legs. However, the front legs are longer than the back legs on this animal. So I don't know how much solid the going up on its back legs are. Um, Proportionately larger than any other animal. They have wide-spaced toes, too, which make it look like its footprint is just gigantic uh, compared to other wolves. Um, It's kind of crazy. And they said they've compared the size of this animal to bears. Wow. (laughs) Wow. So it's a bear-sized wolf. So, yeah, a, a little bit of the uh, touching on a shape-shifting, but really just a big, bad wolf. Um, Who's afraid of the big, bad wolf? A lot of people. I apparently, am. Because this <laughs> is, you know, and, and depictions of what people have seen, I mean, this wolf is just gigantic. It's just a huge wolf. The headless thing, I think, has the most interesting thing about it because the valley is named Headless Valley, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And that the idea is that this creature might have been around in greater numbers back in the day and was actually, you know, ripping off all the heads. So, well, no wonder
2: know. a lot of people don't like the vacation there.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, go in there, man. We'll lose no, my head. Let's go to Headless Valley. <laughs> the what, Valley? I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you say Headless,
0: bro? Tell your new bride you want to take her there for the honeymoon. <laughs> you know, could girl. Can we go to Aruba? Hey, how about Headless Valley? And let's, see? Go,
1: let's go to the uh, Nahani Valley. What does Nahani mean? Uh, it means uh, no head.
0: <laughs> you know, but uh, again, with a dog man, you know, we, we've, cut, we've talked about this in past episodes as well, but, uh, you know, those dog men are rarely seen in packs. Uh, stand on two legs, big, powerful wolf on steroids. A lot of similarities there. But, you know, it's also a really remote and cold part of the world, yeah. you know, so only the hardiest of animals would survive the winters up there.
1: It's specifically Alaska and northwest Canada. Northwest Canada, so...
0: Now, how, how did it say how long this legend stems back to?
1: They don't really get into how long the prospector story was in the 1800s yeah. uh, during the during gold rush uh, fever, late 1800s, when this happened. But when they went back there, when they were doing that, there was already rampant stories of the Wahila. So they they think that as far as this goes, this goes as far back as Sasquatch stories yeah. go. It's, it's it's cooked into the native lore as far as I think. The name of the valley has always been the Nahani Valley, as far as people can remember.
0: Well, you know, I've been to Alaska before, and, uh, you know, passing through some of the touristy places, you see a lot of totem poles. Mm-hmm. You know, I see a lot of totem poles with native animals, uh, bears, eagles, wolves, uh, otters, you know, and uh, even, even some, you know, totems that you will see in that, that part of the world will even have, you know, some Sasquatch-type Creatures carved into mm-hmm. a totem. It would be interesting to see if there was any totem poles that included, like, a, a, a wolf. wolf, like a massive wolf, or an upright on two legs type wolf. Uh, very interesting.
1: I can I can pretty much... Va- I mean, I've seen totem poles that have wolf relief yeah. in, in them, for sure. Yeah. Um, the, the thing also to bear in mind about these stories is, like, you know, we have our accounts of it. It's like, it's like oh, man, we got prospectors in the 1800s getting disappeared and getting their headless bodies getting found. You know, I think it was three years later they found their bodies. Uh, and people given up searching for these guys, by the way. They were like, we can't find these guys. It was their friend who was like, I'm finding my bros one way or the other. I don't care. Um, and then, honestly, this Frank Graves guy, and that's really all that's really been reported as far as, like, Western cultures stories of these of of these creatures uh they sound rare but they also sound like you know they've been around for a long 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 time and so uh certainly something to kind of look for at some point i think it'd be kind of neat to go i don't know if we (laughs) want we want to keep our heads though they're called saber wolves for god's (laughs) sake it has three names
0: Alaska Alaska's a big, big place. It's a weird place, mysterious, unexplored. you know they call it the last frontier for a reason. Uh, it'd be fun to travel there and do some paranormal uh, investigation, both with ghosts, uh, UFOs, Sasquatch, dog, you know, uh, wolf. Um, but yeah, it's 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 cool. You know, we, we could do uh, <laughs> never-ending installments of of Alaska-type mysteries. Oh, but you probably could. <laughs> yeah. w-
1: well, and I was going to say this might wrap up our initial uh, Alaska expedition, but it certainly doesn't wrap up what we might talk about in the future as far as Alaska is concerned. Um, I will tell you on my Wahila research, which is kind of sparse. I won't lie, because there's you know two cases that we have of this, and then a lot of lore. Um, and if anyone has any more specific stories, please let me know. But like I have the Frank, the Frank Grave story, and then these prospectors. Um, in my research of the Wahila, I came across a creature called the Bear God. So that's something that I think at some point I'd like to discuss. Uh, peaked Pat, right there, the Bear God. The Bear God. So let's we'll talk about the Bear God a little bit later. I think down the line. Nice yeah. <laughs> little but teaser.
0: Alaska. I remember. You know, I've been a big fan of uh, the Survivor Man series with mm. Les Stroud. I yep. think it was on Discovery Channel. You know, survival tips, and I really like it. I like his approach to working with nature and using a level head, and you know, using some practical know-how in case you get off the beaten path and have to stay the night unexpectedly. and yeah. one, You know, I watch follow-up episodes and, and special editions and interviews he's done, and one of the common questions people are always asking him is, have you ever come across uh, evidence of Bigfoot in all your, you know, overnights alone in, in the forest, you know, throughout the world? And he said the, the one and only time that, that he encountered something truly unexplained was, in fact, in Alaska. And I can't remember... It, it might have been near the Kenai Peninsula, if I remember right. Don't quote me on that. But he was, you know, kind of up there on the shore doing some fishing and wilderness and and mountains behind him. And yeah, he heard a large several times. Only what he could describe as like grunting and whooping. But he sounded. He said it sounded like a great ape.
2: Yeah.
0: You know that classical. Hoo, 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 hoo. Yeah. You know, and and nothing native in Alaska makes those noises. He knows he knows moose. He knows bear. He knows yeah. wolves. He said this was something large. It was deep. It was guttural, and he said he said it sounded primate. Hmm. And before he, I think, uh, as the account goes, before he had a chance to, to you know, go investigate what it was. Crash, bang, you know, uh, all this you know heavy footsteps, foliage, and whatever it was took off into the wilderness. So yeah, Alaska's weird,
2: weird place. Plenty yeah. to talk about with Alaska. Yeah, there's an, another another place. Uh, I think it's a lake, but um, they think it could be home to. Uh, I can't. The, the name of the monster escapes me, but it the, it's it's more of a plesiosaur type. Um, is it the monster. Lake Iliamna? It could be it, that right. could be it, but you know, basically kind of like a, a Nessie type creature in Alaska. H- yeah, hanging out, multiple of these creatures hanging out in this deep lake. <sighs> um, so that, that'd be another fun one to look
0: there up. Sasquatch. High-fiving a Wahila, jumps on a Nessie's back, and rides <laughs> off into the sunset. Yep. You know, UFOs up and across the sky. Got yep. a little bit of everything in, in the, the Last Frontier.
1: It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. But stay tuned for more of that. But this does conclude our Alaskan Expedition. Thank you. Take your toques. Take your your dog sleds and all that. You can put them away. It's getting to be spring now. starting to come out, get a little bit warmer weather and all that stuff. But uh, we will revisit this uh, amazing uh, place at some point in individual episodes. Uh but with that, I want to thank uh, freesounds.org for, uh, .org for all the... .org. It's the sound you make when you get your head ripped off by a wahila. Uh, uh, freesounds.org uh, for all the sound effects and all that fun stuff. And for premiumbeats.com for our theme music and all the other fun tunes that you uh, hear on the show. Uh, be sure to follow us on the social medias.
0: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And, uh, you know, leave comments. Actually, our, our new thing, we're... Most episodes, we're going to pull a couple a uh, couple of comments of your feedback from social media platforms and talk about them on here. So might get your name mentioned. We, we appreciate all the feedback and uh, people chiming in, talking about suggestions for, for future episodes.
1: So
2: We're also showing up on YouTube these days now, too. You can catch some of our older episodes on YouTube slowly, but surely we're getting all the new ones out as well. So um, uh, check us out there.
1: All right, everybody.
2: Thanks for listening. Have Thanks. a good one. Thank you, everybody. Good night.
1: Paranormal in. Watch your price for fright. (laughs) And finding inner light. You'll see some ghosts tonight.
0: Clinging on for dear life. This
1: is like after the 18th abduction. Yeah, it was. Don't screw it up.